What a glorious Savior we have. Took our place. Died for us. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 7. name of the message is personal worship. Personal worship. 2 Samuel chapter 7. We'll read where David's prayer of gratitude and the Lord having the house being built for the Lord. David having, um, having David build a tabernacle for the Lord. For The setting of this prayer is a prayer of gratitude. David, in his zeal for God's honor and glory, desires to build a house for the Lord, for the Ark of the Covenant. And he speaks to Nathan the prophet about this subject. And the Lord at night reveals his will to Nathan the prophet on this occasion and commands him to communicate the same to David. We see this in verses 4 and 5. It says, And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? And then take note in verse 8 and 9 how David is reminded of the great things which the Lord has done for him as his history is traced back to the sheepcoats from where the Lord found him to his victories over all his enemies and to the high standing which the Lord had placed him in at this time. Look at verses 8 and 9. Now, now therefore so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcoat from following the sheep to be a ruler over my people, Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and I have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and hath made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great man that are in the earth. It's the Lord who did this. David wasn't looking for the Lord. David was tending sheep. But the Lord found him, didn't he? Just like he finds every one of his lost sheep. Every one of his lost sheep. And he made him great. The Lord made David great. See, everything we know, everything we have, comes from our great God, beloved. Everything. All the knowledge we acquire in this world comes from him. Anything we have comes from him. All the blessings that he now enjoyed And all the blessings that were opening before David, the blessings in his family and in his people and in his kingdom all came from the Lord. Then we see in verses 13 to 17 that Nathan did that which was commanded him to do. Look at verse 13. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of man and with the stripes of the children of man, but my mercy shall not depart away from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put in, or whom I put away before thee. In thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. I'll see there in verse 16. And we can see this spiritually, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Thy throne shall be established forever. That's Christ. 
That's talking about the seed of David. Because David died, didn't he? And his throne went to his son. But this throne here will be established forever. These words speak of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That one verse there. When, when it says, thy throne shall be established forever. Again, it could never be in reference to David, the son of Jesse. Because his throne, again, was passed on to Solomon. But here, let us see in this little portion right there, thy throne shall be established forever. Reference to the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And his kingdom is forever, isn't it? His throne is forever. It's established forever. In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, again, who, remember, was, was according to the flesh, the seed of David. So that which God promised came to pass, didn't it? It came to pass. And it is the Lord who, it's the Lord who is the everlasting kingdom. Turn, if you would, to Daniel chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 44. Daniel chapter 2. That's the kingdom which Daniel prophesied about. Look at this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. Look at this. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And this is speaking about the Messiah. This is speaking about the kingdom of, the, the kingdom of Christ. Look at this. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And in, in the days of, of these kings, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Well, he has, hasn't he? Which shall never be destroyed. Look at that. Never. Never. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. So he's not going to die and leave his kingdom to someone else like David did to his son. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is God. He's God. And it's his kingdom. But it shall break in pieces and consume all those king these kingdoms. And it shall stand for what? Ever. Forever. Our Lord's kingdom will never be destroyed. He will always be king. He always has been king. Right? He was king in glory. He was born king. And he's king right now, beloved. And he will be forevermore. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And we are subjects of his kingdom. We are his people, beloved. It's wonderful. And where he is, we'll be. We'll be with him forever. If his kingdom will be forever and never be destroyed, we'll be with him forever and never be destroyed. Isn't that wonderful? Absolutely wonderful. Because it's that song that Sister Kathy sang, he died for us. He died as our substitute. Oh my. So the kingdom of the Lord is an everlasting kingdom. It'll never be destroyed. It'll never be left to other people. It'll endure forever. Forever. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who the angel in the salutation to Mary declared that he should be great. And he is great, isn't he? He's the king of this kingdom that Daniel spoke of. He's the king, he's the king that, that God said thy throne shall be established forever. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's great, beloved. He shall be called the son of the highest. And it's God the Father who's given him the throne of David. It's God the Father who's done this. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there be no end. No end. That's who saved us. 
Our king died for his people. You don't really hear in history about kings dying for people, do you? You hear about people dying for kings. But you don't ever hear it the opposite way, do you? That's what our king did for us, beloved. Oh my. So praise be to God, how sweet and how refreshing to the believer's soul amidst all the circumstances of the kingdoms and governments of this world. And of men, let this blessed thought bring us comfort that the kingdom of the Lord shall never end. Shall never end. Because it's based upon he who is the seed of David. And he orders it and establishes it. In Isaiah, the scriptures say this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Freely given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. I ask you who are a child of God. Is he not wonderful? Counselor. He's the one we go to with all our troubles, isn't he? The mighty God. Our saviors are God. The God. The mighty God. The one true God. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and he's made peace with God for us by the shedding of his precious blood. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Again, though, in there it says, upon the throne of David. Well, that's what we read about in our text, isn't it? Now, upon receiving this message from Nathan, let's, let's continue in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we see that David goes in before the Lord and offers a prayer of gratitude to our great king, to our great God. Let's read verses 18 to 29. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou has brought me hither. And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And, and is this the manner of men, O Lord God? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. He knows every one of us. He knows the hair, the very hairs on the head, our head are numbered, beloved. He knows us. For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. And oh, has he not done great things for us, manifested himself in a great way to us, beloved? It's amazing. It's truly amazing. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like me, there is no one like him. Neither is there any God beside thee. All other little G's, little gods, are all false gods. There's no other God. According to all that we have heard with our ears, in what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible, for thy land before thy people, which thou hast redeemed to thee from Egypt from the nations and their gods. 
For thou hast confirmed to to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever. Well, God has a people, right? Forever. His elect. Spiritual Israel. And thou, Lord, art become their God. Oh, my. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant, concerning his house, establish it forever, and do as thou hast said, and let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, the God over Israel. And let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee in house, Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord, now, O Lord God, thou art God, and thy words be true. And thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore, now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord, hast spoken it, and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. So take note that after David, take note that David after Nathan had given him the news, he doesn't he doesn't send grateful thanks back to God by the by the hands of Nathan and by the mouth of Nathan, does he? No. That would have been robbing God of His honor if he had been done done. David's own soul, filled with joy, conveyed that which which he had to say. To our great God. So we see David comes before the Lord himself. His business was with the Lord himself, and therefore he comes he comes before him. Turn if you would to Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse fifteen. Let me say these words as you're in there. Beloved of God, you and I have a man, the man Christ Jesus, who is our precious mediator before God. And by him we offer up the sacrifice of praise to God continually, in and through Christ, in Christ alone. Look at Hebrews 13, 15. By him, that's Christ, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God through Christ, continually. That is, the fruit of our lips given thanks to his name. So it's by Christ and through Christ Jesus our Lord that we offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, through Christ. God's people, having been made priests before God by Christ, and all legal and typical sacrifices having been fulfilled and abolished by our Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest, Paul points out what sacrifice we all offer to God. Beloved, it's the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. That's what we're to offer to our God, the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. I ask you this. Do you give thanks to our great God for what he's done for you? Do you give thanks to God that that you can come to a place and hear the gospel? Do you give thanks to God for giving you spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to hear the words proclaimed and to look to Christ? 
you give thanks to our great God for sending a preacher of the gospel to you? Do you give thanks for the brethren? For the brethren? And the sweet fellowship that we have together? In and through Christ Jesus our Lord? Beloved, I give thanks for all of you. I give thanks to our great God for all of you. Vicky and I give thanks to, to God for y'all taking care of us. Giving us a nice place to live. And the fact that we have sweet fellowship with you all too. And how quickly has the Lord knit our hearts together. In June, I'll be here three and a half years, and I feel like I've, I've known you guys for a long time. And it's wonderful. And, and look what the Lord's done in three and a half years, knitting our hearts together. It's absolutely wonderful. And I thank God for that. It's incredible that he's taken us and separated us from the world, brought us together to, to hear the gospel, and we have sweet fellowship in him. And beloved, one day we'll be together forever. It'll be glorious. It'll be absolutely glorious. And we we got a lot to give thanks to, for God, to, to, don't we? We have, a, we have a lot. And I give thanks to God for your love for the gospel. The fact that you love his word. And you desire to go forth from this place. It's absolutely incredible, isn't it? We didn't have a love for the gospel before the Lord saved us. But now we do. Now we do. Isn't that incredible? Oh my. He's so good to us, beloved. Give thanks to our God. He's so good. He's so good to us. He's so very good to us. Heed these words. There's no coming to God but through Christ. None at all. Only through Christ. All our mercies and all our blessings that we have come to us through Christ and Christ alone. There's no other conduit. It all comes through him. And, and our praise and our thanksgiving are only acceptable to God through Christ. And who are we in? He's the head and we're what? The body. <laughs> it's wondrous. So we offer up Prayers of thanksgiving and praise, don't we, to our great God. Look what he's done. Marvel. Marvel. It's incredible. It's by Christ and Christ alone through, through the Lord Jesus Christ again that we offer sacrifices of praise to God continually. And God's people again have been made priests before God through Christ. Scripture says this, for there is one mediator and one God, or one mediator, for, for there is one God, boy, I get that, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, only one, just one, one God, one true God, and only one mediator between, between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, that's the only mediator. That's the only way that we can be accepted by God is through Christ and him alone. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 150. Psalm 150. This is a beautiful psalm. 
Paul wrote there in Hebrews 13, 15 that we should continually give praises and thanksgiving to our great God. In all situations. And continually there just means in all situations. That's all it means. It means in all situations. We should give thanks to God. I love this psalm. Look at this psalm. Psalm 150. <clears throat> and giving thanks and praise, they go hand in hand, don't they? Because when you're thanking the Lord, you're praising them, aren't you? We all are. Look at this. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Well, think of what he's done for you. Think of what he's done for you. Oh, my. He redeemed us with his precious blood. Saved us by his grace. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. He is so great. You cannot measure his greatness. He is so great. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. The, look at the, the, the psalmist just wraps it up. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Oh my. Now a believer in Christ can never be guilty of giving too much honor, glory, and praise to our sovereign God. We can never be guilty of that. We can never ever be guilty of that. Given too much. He alone is worthy of our thanksgiving and of our praise. He's the only one. And you can never be, never be guilty of giving them too much praise, too much glory, and too much honor. He alone is the sovereign God of the universe, and he alone is worthy of our praise. And he is the one to whom all the glory goes. All the glory goes to him. Now, we, when we come to our great God in prayer and we petition him, we do not come to twist his arm, do we? We don't come to twist God's arm. We don't get a group of people going and see if we can gang up on God and get him to change his mind because we know he don't do that, right? He doesn't do that. No. The believer approaches the throne of God. And remember this, we can pray anywhere, right? You can even be with your wife and your, or your husband, you're not talking, you can be praying, right? We can pray anytime, anywhere, right? And, and our prayer can be as simple as, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That would be some long, drawn-out prayer. Just be walking along and say, thank you, Lord. No one else knows you're thanking them, you're giving them praise. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for me. You're so wonderful. No, any time, any time, right? We just give him thanks. We approach the throne of grace, what? Knowing our dependence upon him. We approach the throne of grace, knowing our dependence on him, knowing our need. Right? We need him desperately. We need him to help us. And we can be assured that our great God will help in time of need. And we should petition the Lord in all things and we should have a heart of thanks, thankfulness. A heart of thankfulness. Knowing that, knowing that he hears our prayers. He hears our prayers. And sometimes we approach the throne weeping, don't we? 
just weeping. Just weeping. And he even knows then. Oh, beloved. He knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows our needs. He hears all things from his people. He hears our prayers because of the mercy and grace which we have received in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now a common question asked by those in religion and outright unbelievers, I've had people ask me this before, they, they know that we believe in the absolute sovereignty of God and I've had some people ask me before, if God controls all things by his sovereign will, then why pray? What's the use of praying? What a foolish question. It just reveals people's ignorance. And I don't say that in a high and mighty way because I was like that before, right? But it reveals people's ignorance of the scriptures. We pray because our Lord's commanded us to pray. Right? After this manner, our Father who art in heaven. That's just the model of prayer, but like I say, Sometimes we just cry out, God, be merciful to me. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm drowning in this situation, Lord. Please help me. And he does. Sometimes he has us go through the waters and they're deep. But he's ever with us, beloved. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Our Lord's commanded us to pray. And the fact that we believe that God has predestined all things to come does not hinder us from praying either, does it? No. No. Look at what verse 18 here again, it says here. Then David went, then, then went King David in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? We see here in verse 18 a prayer of David. God has told him through Nathan the prophet that he will not build God's house, but God will build his house and make his name great in prosperity, or perpetuity. That, that we know that this promise to David from God is therefore a genuine guarantee that these things will come to pass. Why? Because God has predetermined or predestinated that these things will be done for David's house. They will be done for David's house. And David what? He believes God. He believes God. He is therefore assured that what God has promised, he will also perform. And we see David does not doubt God, but he praises our great God. Knowing that he has absolute assurance from God that it will come to pass. And I ask you, beloved of God, could it be that true prayer is born of the understanding that God is absolutely sovereign? Does not true prayer count on the fact that God is absolutely sovereign? It does, doesn't it? Counts that he's God. That he's who he says he is. Why pray to him if he's not in absolute control? And he is in absolute control. We pray to God because we know he hears his people. And again, we're commanded to pray to our great God. And we know that he's in absolute control to do as he pleases. To do as he pleases. And what do we always say in our prayers? Lord, if it be your will. 
Lord, if it be your will, just give me grace and strength, Lord. If it be your will, deliver me from this situation. But, oh, Lord, please give me grace and strength. Oh, Lord, please. And we know he hears us. We know he hears us. Listen to what Brother Tim James brings forth about this. He says, most of the times in Scripture, when we see the word worship, it has to do with public worship. But every time you see the word prayer or pray in Scripture, it has to do with private and personal worship. Private and personal worship. Brother Tim continues, worshiping is praising God and thanking him, thanking God for what he has done and what he has promised. It's a matter of the heart. So it has little to do with posture and everything to do with giving God his due. Giving him all the glory. Thanking him for his mercy and grace towards us. Have you ever heard of the acronym that's often used given the prayer which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication? These things speak of worship. They speak of worship. And we see here that David's prayer is an outline of, of, of what the believer prays. We pray to God. We, we see that David sat down and worshipped the Lord. He worshipped the Lord. Look at verse 18. Then, then went King David in and sat before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast bought me hither? David sits and Praise to God and rejoices in his heart because of the multitudes of grace and mercy that's been revealed and experienced in his life. And then he prays, Who am I, O Lord? Who am I, Lord God? You ever thought that? Who am I, Lord God, that you have mercy on me? Who am I? Every born again Believer can say this, can't they? Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that thou hast bought me hither? Oh, what mercy. When we consider that we're sinners by birth, nature, and choice, and by practice, when we consider that our God is holy, just, and almighty, it is amazing and astonishing that he would show mercy to any. It really is, isn't it? Hmm. And the believer declares even more that God the believer declares even more in thanksgiving and praise that, that God would have mercy on me, the chief of sinners. And we all feel that way, don't we? Who am I, Lord? Oh my. So all believers like David confess our unworthiness of the grace of God in Christ which has been bestowed upon us. And we give praise and thanksgiving, don't we? We give praise and thanksgiving to the mercy that we've received in Christ. Look at verse 19. And, and this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And this is a manner in in. And is this the manner of man, O Lord God, 
Listen to what John Gale says about this. He says, we see David continue his praise and thanksgiving to our great God as he knows that the raising of him to the throne and the sitting of him upon it was but a small thing in comparison to what he promised to do for him and his son that would succeed him in his kingdom. But that he would make him in the house and establish his kingdom, that the throne of his kingdom should be established forever, that a race of kings should spring from, from him, especially King Messiah. Of whose kingdom there would be no end. So David just continues to give thanks to God. For the promise of the Messiah is the phrase in this verse, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come, speaks of the Messiah. Speaks of the Messiah, beloved. And we know that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the question at the end of this verse, and, and is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Notice that question at the end of this verse. David brings forth, do men deal so freely and calmly with their inferiors as you have with me, God? That's what he's bringing forth. He knows his unworthiness. He knows the greatness of God. He knows he's but a worm. And so he asks, do men, do men deal so freely and calmly with their inferiors as you have with, with me, God? Well, we know the answer is no, right? Man doesn't deal that way with other men. Our great God has mercy on those who have no merit with him, no merit before him. In this proclamation by David that our, gracious, our God's gracious dealings with the unworthy are, are not like the dealings of men. What does the scripture declare? God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. We see that right there, don't we? Oh my. Let's read verse 20. And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. Verse 20 is a confession that David's words are not intended to change anything. But rather he's they're spoken with an understanding that God knows what is in our heart. And he knows what we need even before we ask, beloved. Listen to what the scripture declares. Psalm 139.4 For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. And then in Matthew 6.8 it says this, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. He already knows. Now let's read verse 21. For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart hast thou done all these things to make thy servant know them. We see in this verse a declaration that of what David knows is by divine revelation. Just as we proclaim. The gospel is a revelation from God. He must reveal the gospel. He must reveal the scriptures. The Holy Spirit must illuminate the scriptures before we even see anything. talking to Brother Drew this week and he said, man, I was reading some portions of scripture and he said, I was just like, I've never seen that. And I said, Brother Norm Wells and I joke all the time 
And Norm, Brother Norm says, is that ink still, is still wet in your Bible, Wayne? It's incredible. Because there's things we... It's true for all of us, isn't it? We'll be reading and go, I never saw that before. This is marvelous. Well, that's the Lord illuminating the scriptures for you. And giving us understanding. He gives us understanding. And the believers taught of God, right? Turn, if you would, to John chapter 16. We know the believers taught of God. We know it's the Holy Spirit who reveals Christ to us. And we know without him doing that, we would never understand the scriptures. And how does he do it? Through the preaching of the word. And then he gives us an understanding. And we marvel. We marvel. In John chapter 16, verses 13 to 14, the scriptures say this. It says this. How about when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and show it unto you. Then turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. It's God who can, it's, it's, it's God, the Holy Spirit, who reveals Christ to us through the preaching of the gospel. And it's God, the Holy Spirit, who continues to reveal Christ to us as we grow in the grace and knowledge and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't boast of nothing. We, we don't want to, but we can't. <laughs> if we're taught of God, beloved. Look at this. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Wherein he hath also abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, right? Heaven made what? Known unto us. There's a time when we didn't know this. But praise God, now we know. Heaven made known unto us what? The mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Well, we know the things of Christ now. We never knew anything about the things of Christ. We may have heard about them. We may have cooked something up in our imagination of who we thought God was or who we thought Christ was. But now we know who he is. The Holy Spirit illuminates the scriptures for us. And then he continues to teach us. And we grow in the grace, again, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go back to our text in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Let's read verse 22. This is a marvelous verse here. All the scriptures marvelous, but... Look at this in verse 22. Wherefore art thou, wherefore thou art great, O Lord God. What a statement. For there is none like thee. Neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Beloved, there's none like our great God. He's the one true God, the Ancient of Days. I'll read a few scriptures here. Listen to this. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in, in holiness? Exodus 15, verse 11. Then, Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity? And all he's pardoned all our iniquity, hasn't he? All our sin in and through Christ and Christ alone. Who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity? And passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. That's his elect. He retaineth not his anger forever, for he delighteth in mercy. He doesn't retain his anger against us because it was poured out on Christ. The wrath of God was poured out on Christ in our place. Just like Sister Kathy's saying. He died as our substitute. He died as our substitute. Oh my. And then it says this, O Lord, God of hosts, 
O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee, thou willest the raging of the sea, when the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Psalm 89, verses 8 and 9. And then, Psalm 86, verses 8 to 10, it says this, Among the gods there is none like unto thee. And that's little g. Among the gods, the little g's, the false gods, there's none like unto thee. O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. So we see. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like, like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. None. None like him. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there's no God like, there's no God like thee. No God like thee. In heaven, above, or on earth, beneath who keepest covenant mercy with thy servants and walk before thee with all thine heart. 1 Kings 8, 22 and 23. There's no one like him. And that's the God who's had mercy on us. In and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's continue to read verses 23 to 29. In what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel? Psalm or 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 23 to 29. In what one nation in the earth is like, un, like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself and to make him a name and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever. And thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever. And do as thou hast said. And let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, has revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee in house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy words be true, and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore, now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it, and with thy blessings let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. Oh, we see in verses 22 to 29, David giving praise and thanks to our great God for his, his sovereignty and for the salvation of his people. The last phrase is the reason for the fact of prayer. Look at this. O Lord God, hast spoken it, and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. Now we who are the people of God, we pray because God has promised because of what God has promised. That's why we pray. We pray because he's sovereign. We pray because he's almighty. And we pray because of what he's promised us. And he has also fixed that his people will ask him for that which his will will purpose. 
Turn, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 36. We see this blessed truth brought forth. Exodus 36, verses 22. And we'll read all the way to 33. Exodus 36, verses 22 to 36. Therefore, thus, or therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profound among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profound, or profaned, I'm sorry, among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, whom I, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from your, all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And this is what he does for every believer, isn't it? He gives us a new heart. We're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. He puts his spirit within us and causes us to walk in his statutes. And ye shall dwell in the land that I will give to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleanness, and I will call for the corn, and will increase it, and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and increase of the field that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good and shall loathe yourself and your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Not for your sakes do, do I this, saith the Lord God. Be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, in that day that I have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, and the wastes shall be built. Now look at verse 37. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel, to do for them, I will increase them with men like a flock. Now look at that. I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel, to do for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. Now, God's providential plan is wonderful in its complex, in complexity and its simplicity. As detail upon detail is ordained. We know that. We know that. No minor detail. There's no minor detail that God, that God has ordained that his people ask for it. Now, Paul knew that God would save the elect. If you read Romans chapter 8 and 9, Paul knew that God would save the elect. He knew that. He believed that. Because he, he knew that salvation's of the Lord. He knew that. And we know that prayer is worship. And it's praising God. And God puts a desire on us to pray. He puts a desire to pray for something in the heart of his people. And we can be sure sometimes there's things that we, that we ask for out of our own flesh. 
But there's things that we ask for that he's ordained will come to pass. That he's ordained will come to pass for the accomplishment of his purpose. Right? Sometimes we ask amiss. Sometimes we ask things according to his purpose. And it comes to pass. And it comes to pass. So we see then that prayer is not employed to change things, but rather is employed by God in the accomplishment of his purpose. Isn't that amazing? It's absolutely incredible. And God has ordained the salvation of, of his people from all eternity. I was thinking about Kara and Matt and Sister Barb and Brother Kevin and, and others of you here, Sister Bonnie and Sister Diane, who attended here. And for years, people were probably praying for you. You had no clue. You had no idea. And we pray for all our family members, don't we, and friends, because we don't know who the elect of God are. We have no idea. But think of this. After the Lord saved you, you found out there were some people praying for you. And they were praying for your salvation. And they said, Lord, if it be your will, please save them. Well, when you're a child of God and you find out people were praying for you, you find out that that was all according to God's purpose. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That is truly, truly amazing. So we pray for, we pray for all, like Brother Tim said. We pray, for, we pray for our family. We pray for our friends. We have no clue who the elect of God are, do we? And God saves whom he will when he wills. But we do say, Lord, if it be your will, oh, please, grant them faith to believe. If it's your will, Lord. Oh, my. God is truly gracious to us, isn't he? He's truly gracious. And remember this. Someone was praying to the Lord for your salvation before he saved you. And truly our God, our great God, ordained that your salvation would be so. That's incredible. You give them all the glory. And what, what, what do we say with these facts? Praise your mighty name, O Lord. Praise your mighty name. Glory to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and grace. Oh Lord, we know that you are almighty, all sovereign. But we marvel at how intricate things are and how absolute control you are of everything, Lord. Oh, Lord, we pray you'd use this message for your glory and your honor and your praise. And if it be your will, Lord, that you draw on the lost sheep. We love you and we praise you. We thank you, we who are your people, for giving us hearing eyes and or seeing eyes and hearing ears to, to, to look to you, Lord. Glory to you, honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.